center and coming in is Loom. Newendike centered it. Flames Talk with Pat Steinberg and Wes Gilbertson on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. All right, we are underway this hour. It is Wednesday, November 8th. It's Steinberg and Wes Gilbertson of Post Media, and welcome to the Sports Drive, brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe. Save $450 on the Braun EV5922 gun safe, now just $1450, or explore the full line of safes at calgarylockandsafe.com. Well, Flames have now won couple games in a row. First time this year they've won consecutive games, so it's a nice start and definitely something you can't start to dig out of a hole and string wins together without getting the second win consecutively. So, nice start. Does it feel like maybe we're starting to see a little more continuity with this group's forward lines? Because, and, and we all know Jonathan Huberto got benched on Tuesday. And what? I know... It, the first hour of Flames Talk on this Wednesday, we we may have touched on it. I, I don't I don't remember. We may have touched. It and, may come up again here before the hour is out. I, and, I can't guarantee it. And if you missed it, where can you find that? Uh, wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, okay. Because we're available on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, and many other podcast forums. I'm gonna I'm gonna memorize that uh, soon. Get it down. Yeah, I'm working on it. If you want to stick around? You better get that down, Pat. Uh, we're coming at you from our Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. So, and, and and maybe it's just for the time being, they've they've got some continuity. But you've got this new Nazem Kadri line with Connor Zary and Yegor Sharangovich, and they have been dynamite for three games. I'll throw some numbers at you a little bit later on. So you're not changing that up anytime soon. You know that you have got a duo with Michael Backlund and Blake Coleman that you can feel you can basically put anybody with and count on it to be a really good line because Backlund and Coleman are, are such good elevators. And, and the kids look pretty good there through two games. Yeah, Martin Pospisil has been just fine. Right now he's there and he's been he's been great. If I can keep him in the lineup, I'm keeping him in the lineup. Dryden Hunt's been sent to the American League. There's no reason you can't keep Pospisil in the lineup right now. Yeah, absolutely. So that's two. Majapani comes back from suspension on Friday. You've got what I think was starting to be a, a pretty decent looking line. I know that you pointed out, and I thought it was actually a good point on Saturday, before Majapani decided to do what he did and, and get that match penalty assessed to him, that line with him, Huberdo, and Lindholm was maybe showing some of the best time together that we have seen to this point. And so, and I and I do think there's been some potential shown when Huberdo, Lindholm, and Manjapani have played together. We know that Huberdo is going to have a big spotlight on him after being benched on on Tuesday night. Again, if you're just joining us, that may have happened against Nashville. Um, it just I, I feel like now that you've got a line with Backlund, Coleman, and for the time being, Pospisil, you've got that cadre line rolling. There's a really good opportunity to let Huberdo, Lindholm, and Manjapani breathe. Let Huberdo get some confidence back after you sent him that message. See what Manjapani brings now that he's back off a one-game suspension. And then you've got, there's still some question marks about where certain players fit. At practice Wednesday, it was Dubé between Greer and and Walker Dewar with Kadri. And, and Rizicka probably would have been 
in that mix too, but Kadri missed practice, so Rizicka was taking his spot on that line. Um, I just it feels like for the first time, and maybe this is just me. I'm curious as to where you are. It feels like for the first time you're starting to get some semblance of lines that they can roll out on a nightly basis here. Yeah, absolutely. And before I weigh in on that, you know, the when you were going through the list, one thing that that sort of struck me is. Adam Ruzicka and Dylan Dubé started this season as guys who were looked at as very crucial in terms of capitalizing on their opportunity for the Flames' top nine to work. Especially after Jacob Pelche's injury, we looked at it and said, okay, well, if you know if the Flames are going to find something with this forward cast, you need Ruzicka and you need Dylan Dubé to become fixtures in your top nine. Well, that's a pretty good example of the way that the youth movement has started to maybe nudge this thing forward is suddenly those two guys who we were talking about in top nine roles are now probably the nucleus of your fourth line. Yep. So start there. But when we go look at that top line, I'd love to see it back together today. I didn't think there was any doubt that it was going to be back together. I think at practice, you knew we were going to see a, a sort of confidence, a, a show of confidence in Jonathan Huberto after his third period benching last night. You knew that Andrew Mangiapane was going to be back in a, a marquee role after serving his one-game suspension. And, and yeah, I do think as much as you can let something breathe as you go into Toronto to face the Maple Leafs, I do think you can give that line some runway now. And what has been accomplished by how good that second line of Kadri, Zari, and Sharon Govich has been, is that you don't need that top line to put up all your offense. You There's not pressure on those guys to make sure they find the back of the net or you're going to lose 2 nothing or 3 nothing. Yeah. And, and so that helps kind of buy some time to see if the click that I thought I was starting to see Saturday in Seattle and you thought you were starting to see... Saturday in Seattle, that buys you a little time to see if it's there. And I think it's worth it. And now, because you have a little bit more continuity and a little bit more comfort with what you're doing, you don't necessarily feel like, and and, and obviously this can change in the blink of an eye, I, I realize that, but what we've seen of late, maybe you don't feel as quick to say, oh, geez, well, we, we were liking, say, Huberto, Lindholm, and Mangiapane together, but nothing else is working, so we gotta, we're gotta we going to try Mangiapane back with Backlund and Coleman, and we'll see if somebody else can work with Lindholm and Huberto, or we're going to try Kadri with Huber. Right now, you're not breaking up Kadri, Zeri, and Sharon Govich for no any reason. No chance. And why would you, to your point, break up Pospisil, Backlund, and Coleman? Because Pospisil has fit nicely there. He's added a little size, and, and some you know on the forecheck, he's added a little bit of... Just, uh, I don't know, there's there's some up-tempo and and some press in his game. Those two, you, you've got kind of a middle six, if you want to call it that, anchoring your forward lines right now. So see if you can get that top line rolling a little bit. And we saw that. We, we saw how much Ryan Huska is starting to like that middle six blend Saturday night in Seattle. And I know that was just Martin Pospisil's first game. It was just Connor Zary's second game, but... The fact that when Andrew Mangiapane got tossed from that game, what we saw was Walker Dewar and Dylan Dubé, for the most part, filling that top-line role. 
that shows you how much the Flames coach likes that middle six blend. Yeah. Right? That shows you that he thinks yep. he's found something there. And and I'll, I'll be, obviously, all eyes are going to be on, on Jonathan Huberto starting Friday in Toronto and, and carrying through this three-game road trip that includes stops in, in Ottawa and Montreal, which is a, a home game for Jonathan. All eyes are going to be on him, but I am really curious what we see from Andrew Mangiapane, too. You got a guy who's on the brink of 100 career goals, needs one more to get there. You've got a guy who kind of, I think, wants to make a statement that he should be on that top line, that he should. And that's certainly no, I know he loves playing with Michael Backlund and, and Blake Coleman, but, you know, if you want to be an offensive difference maker, that's probably where you need to be. And so I'll be really curious what we see from Andrew Mangiapane on this trip as well. Couple of a uh, couple of things I want to play from what we heard at practice on Wednesday. First, here is Andrew Mangiapane came out and and uh, this was uh, his first comments on the one game suspension for the cross check he levied on Jared McCann on Saturday. I mean, um, I think you know obviously it was uh, obviously a little too high there, but I just tried to kind of push him off the puck and tried to get the puck loose um but yeah I, I apologized to him and you know I knew it wasn't the, the best uh, time but at the time I didn't even know that he even uh, got hurt or anything like that so um obviously I kind of respect the the league's opinion on, on the suspension and I'm just happy to kind of get back and to you know get back to playing so that was Andrew Mangiapane when talking about his suspension what else are you gonna say I, I don't think he meant to cross check him in the yeah. neck but he did good on him for reaching out in whatever fashion that was to apologize because yeah he deserved to be suspended it, it was not it's not a good play and sometimes you can make bad plays when you don't mean to you know like sometimes you're a little reckless by accident it's like well we still got to suspend you yeah and and I think that's kind of what we saw on the Manjapani front so he'll come back in but I liked uh, I like the question you asked to Ryan Huska about what we're seeing from the cadre line so here are the numbers on Kadri, Zary, and Sharon Govich since they've been since they've been put together. So they've played about on average about eleven minutes together at five on five in the three games they've been put together, which is about which is about what you see at five on five for most lines in this league when you start factoring in special teams and everything. So in their thirty three plus minutes together at five on five, shot attempts. 46-19 in favor of the Flames. That's over 70%. They're at 70.8% on their 5-on-5 uh, five five shot share or possession. Seems good. Very strong. Shots are 29-9 in favor of the Flames. Seems good. Expected goals at natural stat trick, 69.4. So 69.4% means that they are... The, the, the goals are expected to go Calgary's way almost 70% of the time when they're on the ice. My instant analysis is that seems good. Very strong. And here's the fun one. Scoring chances, 22-13. High danger scoring chances, 13-4 to when that line has been on the ice. Like to see 14-4, to but it still seems pretty good. Yeah, you're, you're okay with the... the you're, this seems it good. A it grade, seems good. Just maybe not an A+. They have not... It hasn't necessarily translated to a lot of five-on-five five production, and they have been on the ice for a couple of goals against, but... As we know in this league, when you're seeing numbers like that and the goals for goals against doesn't correlate, 
goals are still a very random thing in this league. Like, look at the way some goals go in. It's why plus minus is stupid and should be completely obliterated as an NHL counted stat. I think it's dumb. I think that if anybody uses that in a contract negotiation, it is doing one side or the other a disservice. Like, just get rid of the stat. It's so stupid. And so when you see numbers like that, attempts and chances, and shots and like actual on ice things what they're doing. Yeah. So they've been outscored two one at five on five. It almost, it almost drives home the fact that, yeah, you know what goals, you don't always have full control over what you do have control over is what you're doing and how consistently you're doing things on the ice. And, and especially with the talent level of the players that we're talking about, right? Like when you look at, Nazem Kadri, we know, has, has been a productive player throughout his NHL career. Yegor Sharangovich has a heck of a shot. Connor Zary has been productive at every level and has shown us a ton of confidence with the puck in three NHL games. So when you take those expected numbers, when you take those scoring chance numbers, and then you think, well, th- this isn't coming from three guys who chop the puck square when it's on their <laughs> stick, right? You know that's going to translate to good things. Yep. You uh, you asked Ryan Huska what yeah. he's been seeing, but with with Kadri and his wingers, but also the other way around. And, right? and this is something I've been curious about. You know, Connor Zary comes in and, and brings a ton of energy, obviously, right away. Nazem Kadri has played his best hockey of the season, I, I think, since that line was united, and so. I drove home from the Saddledome last night and at varying points in the last few days, I've kind of wondered to myself, well, what's Kadri doing for Zary and Sharon Govich? And maybe what are they doing for him? Maybe maybe someone can explain to me who's bringing what. And that's what I asked Ryan Huska today. I think um, Naz has brought some confidence to Sharon Govich. Um, I, I think the increased ice time that um, Sharon's got as a result of playing with Naz has helped him feel better about himself for sure. And I think with um, Connor in particular, there's a young guy that needs a lot of guidance. And I think that's one of the things that he's drawn out of Naz is a responsibility of being a leader and helping someone along. And it doesn't mean that you're going to just pat him on the back. It's okay. He's challenging him in the right way. Uh, and that's what I really like about where Naz is at right now. Interesting answer, no? Yeah. Yeah, I thought so. And, and really good insight from the coach. Obviously, we don't get to hear those conversations between Nazem Kadri and and Connor's area on the bench. I had a quick chat with Connor today who was full of praise as you would expect for the the sort of mentorship of Nazem Kadri through his first three NHL games. This, this line has been a really good find for this team. It's a team that we've talked about. Hey, one of the big questions going into training camp, where's the secondary scoring going to come from on this team? Right. And and one of the bigger questions that's emerged is where's the primary scoring going to come from? But this line looks like they're poised to really provide some of that secondary pop that is going to be so crucial if this team is going to take back-to-back victories and start to build on it. If they're going to start to be a team that has success more often than not, that second line is going to be a big part of it. Still some some things to figure out for sure. Yeah. I mean, how does Jonathan Huberto respond to the benching? That, that, I know we we spent most of the the first hour of Wednesday's Flames talk on on Jonathan Huberdeau, but I really I don't get the sense that we heard from him, 
You can hear that in, in uh, the Hour One podcast. We heard from him. He took responsibility. There is ownership. There's also a lot of confusion as I don't think he knows what's going on or understands why it's not working to the extent it is. And and just to clarify that, there, there was no confusion over why he was benched last night. You know, I, I know no, that... it's confusion as to why he's not, why it right. got to that point right. or so. Yeah. And why it hasn't worked since he's gotten And it. I just want to make sure people who haven't heard Jonathan's comments and, and please go and and listen to the first hour of Flamestock. There's some really good stuff in there, but I, I just want to clarify that this isn't a case of the coach not messaging why the player didn't hit the ice in the third period. This is the confusion you refer to as Jonathan yeah. not really knowing why this isn't working for him. But I don't, whether or not benching him in that game is going to light a fire under him and he's that, that's going to be the catalyst. I have no idea. That'd be great, but that I have no idea. But I also I don't get the sense that it's going to be taken negatively either. I kind of feel like at worst it'll be status quo. I, I don't get the sense that he's going to pout and pack it in, take his ball, go home, you know, do what I would do. Yeah. Uh, I, I feel like he's going to be a pro about it, and I feel like he's and whether or not that means he figures it out, whether or not that means that all of a sudden in a week's time we're talking about wow, a completely different number ten. I'm not saying that. I j- I just don't get the feeling that it's going to be a poor response or a negative response, whether it's ultimately super positive or not remains to be seen. Yeah. And, and I guess the, the caveat to that is that's as long as this was sort of a one-time thing or a, a right. limited time engagement, right? If, if Jonathan Huberto doesn't play the third period Friday night in Toronto, if, if Jonathan Huberto doesn't play the third period in his hometown or, or almost hometown of, of Montreal, then you might have a different response from the player, but nothing that I saw from him today, and I'm not just referring to the five-minute chat he had with the media, from the moment he stepped on the ice, from the moment he walked out the gate and was joking around with the training staff, this didn't look like a guy who was peeved to be at work today. And that that's exactly what you expected to see out of a, a proud guy, out of a veteran and that's what we saw today. Now, th- what we saw at the start of practice doesn't mean a whole lot. We, Jonathan said it himself. We need to see it in the game. But in, in terms of like lingering hurt feelings, yeah, don't see it happening. Um. So yeah, hey, where does Dylan Dubé fit? Where does Adam Rizicka fit? There's still some questions that need to be figured out when it comes to these line combinations. Yeah. But I, I think they're starting to get to a better place anyway. As long as you, as long as we're about to see the step that we think we're seeing hints of from that first line of Huberto, Lindholm, and yes. Magipani, yep. because yep. if we're talking again early next week and we we haven't seen any hints, then you might need to go back to the drawing board. There, do we like the way the team's playing of late? Hard not to. It's it's been. I wouldn't give up any two on O's Friday if if I could help it, but. That was that was interesting to watch. Don't really I still don't know exactly how that all came together, but there it was. Two on oh with Evangelista and Sherwood. You're like, how what is going on? Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. It, whatever. There were they won the game. More than one thing uh went wrong in that sequence. Yeah, there were a number of things that went wrong. I just my biggest takeaway, we're gonna hear from Blake Coleman in just a second, but my biggest takeaway of late has been just the ability for the group to stick with it. Yeah. And and they've been a whole lot harder to knock off their game the last few 
Didn't get knocked off their game in Seattle. Didn't get knocked off their game against Nashville despite facing some adversity. You know, Manjapani kicked out. They're down one nothing and 2-1. And then Tuesday, they're down 2 nothing And what was a generally very strong first period for Calgary? They're down not one, but two. Yeah. And they still find a way to come back and, and win both games. The fact that they've been able to stick with it the way they have has been my biggest kind of team takeaway the last little bit. We we talked about this on the Daily Flames roundtable, except it was basically just Wilsey and I filling all the air. You didn't get a ton of opportunity to weigh in. So what for you, what changed there in the sense of why has this team that struggled to stick with it during that six-game skid, why do you think that switched? I don't know. I it, it probably It probably comes down to the fact that you know, at, at some point, you look at the standings and say, if we don't figure this out, like, there's kind of some urgency that may have spurred it on. Like, all right, if we're going to continue to be this easy to play against, if adversity is going to win all the time, we're not going to make the playoffs. And and regardless of what Wes or Pat or you thinks the Craig Conroy should do direction-wise, the guys in that room don't want the team broken up. The guys in that room want to make the playoffs. They want to win. They they believe that they should be competing for a Stanley Cup. Whether we believe that or not, inside that room, that's what the so they want to win. And I I, I kind of wonder if just the urgency of the situation was like, okay, we we're, we're way too easy to play against these days. And so I, I wonder if that played into it. Then you build a little belief. belief. You almost beat Dallas, and then you do it against Seattle. And you do it by sticking with it. It starts to build a little bit, of, a little bit of belief too, which I think maybe can be a positive snowball for the team. You know, as as you were talking, I was thinking back to a moment. I guess it would have been a week ago when they they played the Dallas Stars, and, and obviously Connor Zary scoring on his first shot at the NHL level was the big story of that game. And then there's the failed third period comeback, but up to that point, probably the strongest period we'd seen the Calgary Flames play, I think, throughout this season. And I just pulled it up. This comment post game from Connor Zary, who, who said, Lindy, Elias Lindholm, had said in the intermission, it's time to stop talking and start doing. And so I think about that comment, that that credit to Lindholm saying, hey, enough, enough is enough. Let's stop talking about what we're going to do better and actually put it into action. I think about the comment we played on Flames Talk yesterday from Chris Tanev saying, if we were blaming bad luck and bad bounces, then we need, yeah, you know, we need to give our heads a shake. That's not how he put it, but paraphrasing, like we, we have to work our way through this. And, and so those two comments, one credited through someone else and one from an alternate captain himself really stick out for me as signs that there were conversations in the room that amounted to essentially guys, we, we got to quit feeling like sorry for ourselves shut up, right? and we got to start playing some better hockey. Yeah. And they have this last two and a half games. Ha- there, there's a lot of reason suddenly to be optimistic about what we're seeing on the ice. Forget the, the big picture and, and the contracts and the decisions and all that. When you talk about 23 guys in the room who are solely focused on trying to get into the playoffs. Well, we've finally started to, to see some click from that group. Talked uh, a little bit about that with Blake Coleman after practice on Wednesday, the whole idea of sticking with it uh, a little bit of time with Blake Coleman here on flames talk.
just wanted to ask you about you know the the whole idea of sticking with it. You know, you had the Dallas game doesn't go your way, but I know you were really happy as a group with the way you played for the most part, and you're able to carry it over into the next two games. Just the overall concept of sticking with it. How how important has that been here the last week or so? Well, I think we've started to understand the recipe for us to find success, and um, even the Dallas game, like you said, I think typically it's just the way it goes in this league when you're in a streak it takes a couple good games uh, that you're going to lose and and then you you find a way to get get through and and find a win and um, you know it's really the same recipe all three games um, but fortunate that we won the next two and you know now we know what it takes when when you uh, even in games when you know the last two games you fall down a couple times and again you're able to stick with it is, is that uh, is that kind of a sign of, of maturity and, and just as a group you're, you're starting to feel a little bit more comfortable with what you need to do? Yeah, I think it's just a growing confidence and um, you know I think it's tough when you're losing games and it's easy to fall into that trap of um, feeling bad for yourself and you know saying you're not getting the bounces, things like that but uh, you know the better you play um regardless of the results you start to feel better about your game and more confident and that's when you start to get the bounces and and wins start to follow so um you know i think the more guys that can find their individual confidence um you know that that leads to our team feeling good about ourselves and i think it's starting to grow in this room what uh, what was the feel even last night going into the third period? You, you scored the goal late in the in the second like what was it a pretty confident group in here after 40 minutes yeah, there's really not much had to be said. You know, I think in games past we've had kind of the guys trying to say the right things and um, try to try to lift our group up, but I didn't feel like we needed it. I think uh, everyone had that quiet confidence, and, and you know, like I said, I think when you're playing the right way and doing the right things, um, you know, our, our group thought it was pretty obvious that you know we stuck with it. You know, there was a pretty good chance we'd come back and win. What uh, what's when when things weren't going your way and and you're in that tough stretch as a group? What's your role as as a leader and a guy who's kind of seen it all, done it all at this point? What what's your role in that and trying to keep things on the rails? Well, I you know I can only control so much as far as making sure that I'm doing my job. Um, you know, it's hard to hard to be vocal and and lead if you're not doing it by example as well. And so that, that's kind of my main focus in times like that and um, you know there's a quote somebody told me when I was pretty new in the league and it's always stuck with me um, you're never as, as bad as you think you are and you're never as good as you think you are in this league and um, you know it was looking looking a little rough obviously after the, the losing streak and you know people seem to snowball on it and and um, understandably so it's an emotional game and um you know, it's only the guys in this room, though, that can get us out of it. And so far, we've done a good job, you know, drawing that line in the sand. And, um, you know, now it's important for us to not get complacent and realize that, you know, it's going to be really hard for this team to win games. We've got to do it as a group. And, um, and if we keep that mindset, we're going to be just fine. Last thought. Is, is that is that something that is, is important to kind of embrace almost? That, hey, the way that you're going to do it is work ethic, work ethic, work ethic, and, and, and by committee? Yeah, it's a hard way to play, and you got to have the right guys that are committed to doing it. And um, you know, it's easy to do it for one night, but can you do it consecutively, night in and night out, is is the question. And 
you know, we've got a small sample size here, and the last few games have been a, a great example of what it should look like. And now it's just on us to make sure that we uh, keep our foot on the gas. So there's Blake Coleman. Chatted with him a little earlier on Wednesday. It's like three solid games and two wins in a row. That's awesome. Great. Can't stop there. And, and I think there's a pretty good realization inside the room that that is the case. If you want to, somebody's making fun of me. You don't dig yourself out of a hole. If you want to climb out of the hole that you've dug for yourself, you got to start stringing multiple games like that together and get the results. I mean, you could be standing in the hole and using the shovel to kind of scrape dirt back in. Yes. I didn't have much of a landscaping career. Yeah, I don't. Somebody says, the text said, I'm not a physicist, but I don't think you can dig yourself out of a hole. It's a good point. I don't think you can either. Let, put that on our list of things to get into tomorrow. Yeah, there's lots that we need to get into tomorrow. But in in the hole that Blake Coleman is talking about, you know, climbing himself out of. Well, I'm the one who said climb, dig out of the hole. Yeah. I don't think Blake did. Okay. Yeah. Blake raises a good point. Blake is a physicist. Two wins does not change everything. It It gets certainly some good vibes going for these Calgary Flames, some perhaps overdue good vibes for these Calgary Flames. But when you lose six in a row, you haven't really done anything to erase it until you until you come up with six somehow. Whether they're in a row or, or you know, six above 500 in, in some stretch, you know, this Calgary Flames team did, in, did inflict quite a bit of damage by, yeah. by losing six straight. And it's going to take a while to, to get themselves back to even, even footing. It's Pat and Wes along with you this hour on Flames Talk. We're coming at you from our Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. Worried about radon? They install custom mitigation systems to reduce your risk. To find out more and for a free estimate, visit dlbasementsystems.com. Talking your team right now. Flames Talk is on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. All right, let's go inside hockey on this Wednesday for Calgary Co-op this hockey season. Support local. Find your all-time classics and locally brewed beers. Visit your local Calgary Co-op wine, spirits, beer today. And uh, we go inside hockey on this Wednesday with our Pacific Division insider. It's time to check in with Jonathan Davis of NHL Network and NHL Network Radio. Spin you around a very busy Pacific Division. What's going on, J.D.? Oh, living the dream, Pat. Got uh, a couple of hockey games on right now, a little workout, and a phone conversation with you. What more could one ask for? I think that's a perfectly balanced day. I think you've got everything you need. That's what I like to hear. Uh, you're uh, a little bit later on on this Wednesday night. You're getting ready for the Kings and Golden Knights. A little marquee matchup on a Wednesday night for a Kings team that is rolling of late. Got themselves a nice start to the season. And then, of course, we know how good Vegas has been all year long. That's a good uh, good Pacific Division marquee showdown. Yeah, I mean, look, it's a, you know, a game that uh, you know, I think you know, Kings fans have been anticipating you know, ever since the last time that these two teams met back in L.A. And uh, you know, I, I think in some ways for L.A., depending on who you talk to, some people say measuring stick. Some people say... It doesn't matter. Let, let's see where the you know the Kings are in April. Maybe they don't even face Vegas in the playoffs, and it means nothing. I I'm kind of the attitude, Pat, that you know they're, they're they've been on a nice run on this road trip. They've won all three games. They've been in some good scheduling spots, facing you know Toronto and and Ottawa and Philadelphia, um, 
and they've struggled against the good teams this year. I mean, outside of Toronto, they haven't beaten a team with a winning record. But in saying all of that, you know, look, they've got a good shot tonight uh, against Vegas, and I, I, I think it is an important game for them. I think maybe maybe I'm wrong, um, but you know, the other thing for me, Pat, is that they got Pittsburgh tomorrow night, and I've always been one. I wonder what your thoughts are. You know, when you got back to back. I play my number one goalie against the, the perceived weaker team. I would have thought in some ways they would have given Talbot tomorrow night against Pittsburgh, but the flip side of the coin is that if this game is something that is important for L.A. to say that, you know, we're not going to lose two in a row to Vegas, then, yeah, you, then you do start your better goalie. It's interesting because it, it I kind of go case by case on that. I think for this one, mm-hmm. with as big a showdown as, as L.A. Vegas is, I think I would go my number one on the on the first half of the back-to-back. Yeah, look, I think there's there's arguments both ways, you know, and so while I, I do think it's important for L.A. to win uh, or at least have a better showing, um, uh, you know, I don't know. I mean, you can you can debate it so we're blue. Look, there are a lot of good things going on in L, in L.A. You know, Quentin Byfield has had a nice little yeah. stretch here on this road trip. You know, he's putting up some really good numbers. You're seeing a different Quentin Byfield, the guy who's more active offensively, not necessarily scoring goals, but definitely – you know, setting up goals and taking advantage of his speed and his size. And that's, that's the plus. And then, and Cam, Cam Talbot, you know, this would be what I think his fifth consecutive start for LA. Um, it does get interesting though. Look tomorrow, you know, against Pittsburgh, if it's Phoenix Copley, I mean, Pat, I really think that if Copley doesn't have a good showing, then, you know, he may find himself playing for the Ontario rain, you know, next time out, his next start, and, and we see David Riddick up here. But, you know, let, let's definitely will enjoy tonight for sure. In Vegas, uh, they'll be without Chandler Stevenson for a little bit. Not not long-term, doesn't sound like, but a little bit of time out of the lineup for Chandler Stevenson. Yeah, and, and, and for Vegas, it does, right now it doesn't seem to matter who's out of the lineup. I mean, look, they, they played that game against Dallas without three of their top six defensemen, and didn't really matter. They still found a way to beat the Dallas Stars. Um, but there's no question. I mean, look, Stevenson, you, you lose a center, that's that's significant for sure. But I, I, I'm not, I wouldn't be too concerned, as you said. Very short period of time. I mean, I, look, I don't know if you had a chance to watch much of Saturday's game. I know you guys had, had the game against Seattle that night. But, you know, they did steam, you know, the scoreboard tells you that they, that they just absolutely steamrolled the Colorado Avalanche that night to the tune of seven to nothing. But the one thing that I will say that does get lost and is they gave up 40 shots Pat, that night. And they're, they're really, you know, they're getting really good goaltending from both Aiden Hill and Logan Thompson this year. And so, you know, uh, the, the, if you look at any negatives and coaches, you know, we heard Rick Tockett ripping Elias Pettersson after a hat trick saying he turned the puck over too much. You know, the one thing that Vegas, I think, would want to clean up is you, you don't want to be giving up 40 shots on a regular basis and ha- keep having your goalies bail you out, um, you know, unless you're Vancouver against Edmonton. Right. <laughs> Thought we'll, we'll get to Edmonton a little bit later <laughs> on. Same with uh, same with the Vancouver Canucks. It's Jonathan Davis, our uh, Pacific Division insider from NHL Network and NHL Network Radio. Um, hey, I, but before we get there, the San Jose Sharks, red hot San Jose Sharks. They're riding a one-game win streak. It's the longest one of the year. 
Yeah, don't we're, don't we give the uh, audio from uh, Major League? You know, I think, you know, <laughs> we got a win streak here. Yeah, I mean, look, uh, thank God. I mean, this is just just horrific what's going on there. Mackenzie Blackwood again. I mean, you know, you think about it, he could easily have he could have two wins this year. You know, you go back to the Colorado game where he made the you know the fifty one saves. He played really well last night and. I would have loved to have been inside the Flyers locker room after the game last night. And, and I wonder if, you know, they get bag skated. I think they're, they're off today and then they've got a back-to-back, I think, scenario. Uh, I think it's Friday in Anaheim and Saturday they're at Crypto to play the Kings. Uh, maybe today's an off day. I don't know what Torts did, did to his guys. But, yeah, I mean, look, there, there hasn't been much to be excited about for sure in San Jose. It, it is god-awful. Uh, we'll see where things go, you know, uh, but it was, it was for one night. Yeah. The, the Sharks are feeling really good about themselves. Well, and it was another really good night for Mackenzie Blackwood. Who's kind of been one of the positives during the, uh, darkness that was that 11 game losing skid. Yeah. I, I, right. I mean, you know, like I said, you go back to that Colorado game where it took until shot number 50 for an avalanche player and, and Kale McCarr beat him that night to get that game to overtime and then, and then a shootout and then, and then solid again last night. But look, at the end of the day, you know, yes, they won, but it, it was two to one and not that they care how many goals they score as long as it's one more than the opposition, but they're, they're still challenged to score goals. Yeah. And, oh, and, yeah. and that, that, that can't be lost. They had their first two goal lead of the season last night. Not only did they get a victory, but, and I think we went outside of the, I think it was the, uh, was it Carolina? Maybe that they scored three goals. They have had one three one game where they did score three, but um, yeah, it, it, it is tough. It, it's very tough, and you know how hard that's got to be in, in trying to bring people back into the building. I mean, it, it's probably good if you're on a, on a trip and you know your favorite team is in, in town to play the Sharks. I'm sure you have no problem getting seats, but this is a really hard sell. It's it's got to be very tough for everybody in that organization to have to deal with it. Because I, I think, you know, it's one thing to, to want to be bad and to put yourself in the better draft position, but no one imagined it would be this, this horrific. Um, what's happening in Anaheim? They, uh, they end up losing two nothing to the Pittsburgh Penguins on Tuesday night. First uh, loss in a little while for a, an upstart ducks team. What are we talking about with Anaheim here early in the season? I, I think the word is accountability. Uh, is one word that I, I think I've used on more than one occasion with this team. Uh, I'll, I'll look back. I, I look back, Pat, to the game in Columbus, and we talked about it where, where Greg Cronin benched Trevor Zegras for the third period and, and then and overtime as well. Uh, I think it was, it was just a message sending to the young kid. It was very important. The other thing, though, we're seeing is we're, we're seeing a guy in Mason McCavish who I, you know, I think will, will be the captain of this team eventually. Uh, really, you know, has not skipped the beat from his days playing for Team Canada. This is what Anaheim had hoped for when and, and, you know, when they drafted him. Uh, and, and then you've got Mr. Cy Young, Frank Petrano. Um, yeah. it, it's been, you know. Pitching they're, gems. They're, yeah, I mean, they're, but they're, it's really accountability. You know, the coach is making players accountable. You've got guys, look, like Ratko Gudis and then Alex Kalorn made his return uh, a couple of nights ago. Uh, and played 17 minutes in his first game of the season. You know, they've got a veteran presence to go along with the, with the young kids that they just haven't had um, 
you know, and, and to give them that support has been so integral to to the success of this team. But look, yeah, at the end of the day, there's a lot of there's some you know a lot of young skilled players, and then look, I didn't even mention you know Lucas Dostal, who was rookie of the month for what for October. Um, you know, pushing John Gibson, who played very well against the Pittsburgh Penguins last night. Uh, right now, everything's going well, and and the rest of it, you know, you've got the two Alberta teams that are struggling mightily, so. It, it continues to give hope to Anaheim. I mean, what they had the longest win streak, you know, to start the season uh, this year. And so um, there's a lot of good things going on. Let's go to, uh, let's go to Vancouver as the Canucks are another team who have had a real nice upstart to the season. And you know what? I don't know if there's a team in the NHL that kind of illustrates the old saying, your best players need to be your best players better than the Canucks because whether it's Quinn Hughes or Elias Pettersson, like the, the best player, Thatcher Demko, of course, their best players are the reason why that Canucks team is sitting in a playoff spot right now. Yeah, and then and JT Miller as well, and uh, everything is just, you know, and, and I think, you know, what Rick Tockett has, you know, instilled in that organization, it's just, it's a different vibe around that that whole team right now that, the talk it started last year when he came in and has really started to, you know, I think now after getting that time last year to learn about a lot of his players has really been able to put his stamp on this roster. And I think that, you know, you know, you look at a guy like, you know, like Rick talk and, and I just, uh, you know, the players seem to identify with him really well. And the other thing with talk I mean, the guy still looks like he can play and I don't think anyone wants to mess with Rick. And and uh, I just think that there you know there's a lot of respect there for the coach, uh, and you know when he sits a guy down like J.T. Miller for a five minute stretch in a game, and then uh, you know and then those two guys can sort things out between periods, and Miller goes out to score the game winning goal. You know it, it tells you he he's got the pulse of this team. There, there's no question about it. And I know some of their analytic numbers may not be great, but. Man, you know, when, when you've got what Demko's doing with that microscopic goals against average, just over one, uh, you know, I mean, God, that game against Edmonton, I mean, the Oilers just, you know, again, have to be pulling their hair out. You know, at, at 20 shots or 18 or 20 shots in the first period and only could put one past them. Uh, uh, that, you know, on a night where you may not be at your best and you've got a goalie like that, uh, it, it can definitely cover up some rough nights. And then the other thing, you know, talk it addressed, I think, on his interview with Scott Oak um, last Saturday night um, on After Hours. I mean, they've cut Quinn Hughes' minutes down with the idea of making him more effective. And, man, he's been more effective. Yeah, he has been great. It's been a, been an outstanding start to the season for Quinn Hughes in Vancouver. I mean, and he's, I- he's all of a sudden in the... Norris Trophy type conversation. Not not like we haven't known he's good before, but he's he's taken another step. Yeah, I mean, Pat, like not too many players. You know, look, he's, he's his ice time has gone down by two minutes a game. Not too many players would would be very excited. You know, I can't think of any player that'd be really excited about his ice time cut. But at least for now, it appears that it has made him a more effective player in being able to manage those minutes. And especially early on in the season. So, uh, yeah, I mean, there's a lot, a lot to be excited about in Vancouver for sure. 
A um, couple more with Jonathan Davis. Let's go to Edmonton. We know that they've got goaltending issues. They know that Jack Campbell cleared waivers. We know that uh, that was a big story. But, um, yeah, the Oilers goaltending, we've talked a lot, and we've taken a lot of pot shots at the San Jose Sharks, and for good reason. But the San Jose Sharks are better in net than the Oilers have been. Oh, my God. Is that not scary? Terrifying. Like that, that's that that's frightening that the, both Sharks goalies have a better save percentage than, than the Oilers goalies. Uh, yeah. I mean, but you know, look, the other thing with Edmonton, you, you've seen it, you've seen it, uh, you know, outside of unfortunately your game, your, your game, meaning the flames game against Edmonton, they're not very hard to play against in their own zone. And, and, and that, that's, that's, a, you know, c- combine that with the fact that they can't get a goalie that, that can make a save, uh, yeah, I, I don't know if it's, you know, Jay Woodcroft has decided that he wants to try to change the way that this team is going to play, and, and it's taking guys longer to adapt than they would like. But, I mean, Pat, their 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 runway is, is getting really short. I mean, they've got to play probably close to 650 hockey at the minimum to get themselves into a playoff spot. Yeah, I mean, I know they did it last year. They had 18 wins last year at December on December 25th, and they finished with 50. So... It is possible. There's no, you know, this team has done it before, but they just seem to be in. It just they look like they're in a world of hurt. And and the crazy thing is, is that you know they had the you know they had the Vancouver game. They jumped out one nothing. They had a two nothing lead on Winnipeg on on a Saturday night on Hockey Night in Canada, and and then they can't seem to handle any bit of prosperity whatsoever. And then the Nashville game. I mean, you think about it. You know, Nashville plays. See, now look, Nashville played, I think, what, Soros the night before. I can't remember who they played. And then they played Lankinen against the Oilers. And so even Kevin Lankinen turned back, um, yeah. you know, turned back the Oilers that, that day. Um, so, you know, it's just, yeah, it, it's not a good thing. It's not a good thing. And uh, let's wrap up with uh, Seattle. Uh, only got a couple minutes left here, JD. But uh, let's wrap yeah. up with the Kraken and uh, Jaden Schwartz and Matty Beneers are the two players we want to focus on. Yeah, I mean it, it's um, you know Matty Beneers still hasn't found the back of the net yet. He's a minus I think eleven or twelve player right now. Um, that's you know it, that that you know and and then you've got you know a guy you know Jaden Schwartz. Is, leading the team in points, but, you know, this is a team that built itself around depth scoring, everybody, you know, everybody contributing last year. And right now it's been just a huge, huge struggle for the crack. And you guys got to see it a couple of nights ago, uh, you know, when you rallied to beat them. Uh, I mean, what did you think that night when you watched them compared to what you saw last year? I I thought that they were far easier to push around and, and to kind of, um, they were far easier to impose on. How's that? Yes, I think that that's fair. It's not. They didn't. They didn't look like that team that kind of embodied the Dave Haxtell's way of playing. I did. I, I was not super impressed with Seattle in that game on Saturday. I came away saying, "Yeah, maybe the step back that a lot of people are talking about. Maybe we are going to see that." Yeah, I mean, it sure it sure seems that way. It, it, it's it's a little, you know. I, I think now, you know, they're not they're not going to surprise anybody. Uh, and last night, I'll tell you though, their game against Arizona was a fun one last night. 
but it, it's definitely a team that, that again, is, yeah, is doing a little bit of soul-searching. And I wouldn't call last year by any means a fraud, but everything fell into place for them. And now they've got to handle, you know, success. Um, but to see Matty Benier struggle after, you know, a season and a bit of just looking, uh, you know, uh, like an above-average player right now, it's, it's tough times. And so, you know, when, when one of your – top centers is struggling uh that's not going to help your situation whatsoever good stuff as always jd we'll do it again next week all right bud always a pleasure have a good one thanks man jonathan davis is our pacific division insider he joins us every wednesday here on flames talk from nhl network and nhl network radio he joins us inside hockey for calgary co-op hello fans calgary co-op has refreshed its membership just for you now you can shop save and win with the new Calgary Co-op app, download on the Apple Store and Google Play Store. As we start to wrap up this hour, uh, Wes Gilbertson with us on Twitter at Wes Gilbertson. Cam Taylor, our producers this hour as well. And this hour, as always, been the Sports Drive. Brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe. Save $450 on the Braun EV5922 gun safe. Now just $1450 or explore the full line of safes at calgarylockandsafe.com.